It's Bowie versus Tillian. Is this you and I am Chloe? Am I killing? I hope it's not a blowy or a villain. Oh, it's time, time for Bowie versus Dillion. Good morning, evening, afternoon, or anywhere in between, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. And welcome to Bowie versus Dylan. I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we got a very special episode for you today. Is that is that true, Jake? Am I Absolutely. Honest? And I'm just thinking about. I just watched the movie, um, uh, not Secretariat, but the other one, the one where the little horse does good in the 1930s. Which one's that? <laughs> anyway, William H Macy. War Horse. No, not, <laughs> no. We almost watched War Horse. We're on a war. We're on a, a horse movie kick here at the Beck household. Uh, Oh, I just watched it. It's got Tobey Maguire in it and... Seabiscuit. Yeah, Seabiscuit. Okay, so William H. Macy plays this, like, <laughs> radio announcer guy. How are we up to that? We haven't started yet. <laughs> no, I just was going to say... So, hold on, hold on. Bear with me. So, you you, you said, uh, you know, hey, welcome to this very special episode. And I immediately imagined William H. Macy... Because he's like a, a radio announcer for horse racing, and he has all those yeah. belt, literal bells and whistles in his thing, where he's like, "Oh, here comes Seabiscuit," <laughs> and he's got all this stuff and slide whistles and stuff. So, yeah, it's a very special episode. <laughs> yep. <laughs> very special episode. It is episode sixty. Longtime listeners know that in uh, multiples of ten, we like to celebrate anniversaries here at Boy vs. Dylan. We sure uh, do. Being a round number here, we switch things up. Don't do a year, and instead do. A top 10 list. Oh, boy. And this time, we are looking at our top 10 deep cuts. Deep cuts. Deep cuts. Deep I cuts. Know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, let, I feel like we should define what we are taking as deep cuts. We better. Our definition of deep cuts is we are looking at songs from official studio albums that are not well-known. They were not released as singles. That's and correct. And not well-known classics. Both yeah. our guys got a million classic songs. Oh, so many. Classic rock staples. The songs we're going to share with you today are not those. They aren't. Um, but they are from studio albums. They're not like non-album singles, and they're not B-sides, nothing like that. Probably we'll do a podcast about that later on. Probably. Did you do any live out, live cuts? I didn't. Did I you? didn't. I didn't either. No way. No room. Hey, all right, well, Probably do that later on too. Sure. <laughs> no, not <laughs> for Dylan. Right, not for not for Dylan. Right there. We could do a bottom right, ten. Tink, you want to do a little uh, some runners up to kick things off? Yeah, I'll do. A, I'll do a couple runners up. Okay. Are you Are you asking me to do that right now? Yeah. Oh, great. Oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, oh. Do yours. I'll do mine. Then you. Start okay. The All right. So I just have a couple honorable mentions because. Um, so uh, on greatest hits volume two. Now th- these are things that these are songs that I I felt that I couldn't. I couldn't use if I had to like slice off a whole bunch of uh, cuts, which of course I did, because this should really be like a top twenty-five list, maybe even. Sure. Well, yeah, but here we are. You know, we don't we don't mess around at Bowie versus Dylan. So <laughs> there's like three songs on Greatest Hits Volume Two that weren't Greatest Hits when he released it, but he recorded a right. side of the album, an entire side of the album that were new recordings of uh, of songs, and so there's like three or four of them on there. 
that are for me like super great deep cuts, but they're on a they're on a greatest hits. But they weren't greatest hits, but now they're greatest hits. I mean, I could argue for it, but I had I had to let them go. So I apologize for that. And then this is probably a good enough time as any to say that I went I went pretty deep cuts because I have lost I have lost the script on what a popular or well-known Bob Dylan song is uh, at this point because yeah. I have studied and listened to his music for years and years and now I think every song is a classic and I have a hard time realizing. So I tried to go pretty darn deep. What about you? Deep cuts. Uh, I want, I don't know. I Like any list like this, we should just say it's outrageously subjective. Mm. Mm. And I, uh, I make no apologies for that. These are like my personal favorite top 10 deep cuts and you might disagree and you are wrong. <laughs> right. Get that out of the way right yeah. now. You are wrong. But uh, I'm comfortable with that. I'm cool with that. You're, you're All right, cool. I got some runners up. All right, go. Uh, three runners up. I mentioned that just came close to making a list but didn't cut, didn't quite cut it for the deep cuts. Uh, there was a pun there. I didn't I didn't land it. That's fine. Uh, first up is Ricochet from Let's Dance. This is like the less, least known song in Let's Dance because it's really weird in the second half. It's like the weirdo song that okay. Bowie was, you know, thrown in there. It wasn't all dance, but... But it's good. Ever, it's good. Okay. Ever Night Flight off of Lodger. This is also like the weirdest song on that album. Maybe there's a theme here. Lodger has a lot of really good songs, but the best songs were released as singles, so I couldn't really, couldn't really throw them in there. And last up, After All from The Man Who Sold the World. Mm. Another weird song. Apparently, I like weird songs. It's all right. You do. I also want to do a really quick shout out to albums where all the best songs are singles, and I like wanted to represent these albums because they're so good. Yeah. But uh, I didn't like any of the deep cuts enough to add on this list. So <laughs> yeah. shout out to Hunky Dory. All right. Where my favorite songs are singles. Yeah. To Scary Monsters in particular, where I came up with four songs I really liked, and then realized all four of them have been released as singles. Whoa. <laughs> oh, I only knew about. I only knew that two of them have been released as singles. I kind of forgot about the other two. Uh, and the next day, the next day also, the best songs are singles, so... Didn't make it. Okay. All Didn't right, well, make it. Didn't make the cut. All right, well, I have, I have one more uh, uh, broad-scale apology uh, to make, and that, yeah. is, that is, of course, to Bob Dylan's, um, all of Bob Dylan's Latter-day albums, which, uh, so as, as you'll see, my list stops at 1997. And that, okay. that was not intentional whatsoever. It didn't, uh, didn't even make it to modern times. Huh? It didn't make it to modern times. It didn't make it to love and theft in 2001. Um, but, but here's why. It, I, I really had to think about this. Um, A, for some reason, they still seem too new somehow to be hidden gems, even though the love and theft is almost 20 years old. And the overall quality and steadiness of the records actually works against this game. Because as Bob has settled into a consistent sound and groove on each album, the chance that a true wildcard gem kind of diminishes. So, like, mm, the albums sure. are a little, like, too... They're almost too good to have deep, deep cuts. Deep cuts. So, I wanted to do... I love a lot of Bob Dylan's Latter-day albums and a lot of songs on them, like, on the second half of the records and stuff like that, but I just couldn't make room. So, that's another apology. Cool. Hey! Uh, let's do one last apology, and that is how long it has taken us to not do an actual start the top ten list. And then, whatever, let's up to everybody by starting the top ten list. Jake, number ten. Number ten. Number ten. Deep Go. cuts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, this is exciting. <clears throat> um, I'm going to do as my number ten, Bob Dylan deep cut. Most of the time. 
from the 1989 album, Oh Mercy. Um, I have a little bit of a questionnaire for you. I know that you're a huge Bob Dylan fan, so so here you go. So first question is: At this are, point, I know more about Bob Dylan than most huge Bob Dylan I think fans. you. I think you do. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately for you. <laughs> um, all right. So here's your questionnaire. Now that you're a, a huge Bob Dylan fan, yeah. or at least you know a lot about him, uh, do you do you like Bob Dylan? Yeah, I do. Okay. B. Is the Bob Dylan song that you like a atmospheric? B. Slow tempo. C, reverby, D, swirly, or E, fills you with anyway to the point where you're forced to go stare longingly at the ocean. Last one. Last one. All of those. Okay, well, then you have chosen the Bob Dylan song that is a Daniel Lanois production. Congratulations. <laughs> it's actually all of the above. Uh-huh. Uh, so most of the time is a deep cut off of Oh Mercy, uh, produced by Daniel Lanois. This was Dylan's first comeback album, his, you know, one of these best ones since 1975 kind of a deal. Um, it's real slow, it's real nice, lots of reverb in it, and it's actually a pretty earnest and honest assessment of a of kind of a love story, a lost love story, especially for Bob. You can actually kind of understand what he's talking about. And the song's called most of the time, Chaz, because, you know, Bob, he doesn't, he doesn't miss her, Charlie. He's, he's okay. He's okay, but most of the time, he's most those things. Time. Yeah, he's pretty cool most of the time. And just as a, a last parting shot for this, um, it was used to great effect in the movie High Fidelity. If you remember in the scene where after he's a real jerk at the funeral um, to his ex-girlfriend, whose dad yeah. died, and he's just like the worst person. At the yeah, funeral. Awful. He nice. leaves and he goes, stands in the rain, and most of the time starts playing. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> most of the time. Like that. And then she comes and they have sex in the car, but they're not back together. Like that whole thing happens during most of the time. <laughs> All right. Boom! Deep cut. Deep cut. All right, Conan, number 10. Off of Young Americans, the song Win. Win. Just win. Win is the second track on Young Americans. It is not, you know, Young Americans went through a complicated birth in which it was a completely different album called The Gouster, and then several tracks came off and several tracks went on. This is one of them that went on. Um, it's just a great song. It's the second one on there. It clearly inspired inspired Beck on the song Deborah from oh, uh, Milk Cultures. Really? I love that song. Oh, yeah. Deborah! Deborah! <laughs> He totally took that from Win. Wow, okay. Uh, it's a great song. It's about, you know, a relationship where a guy is like, you know, he's got a he's got a complicated lady. Yeah. And sure. uh, Who doesn't? he just needs to win and he wants her to win and he's ready <clears> for that. But uh yeah, it's complicated. Um I have I've got a little segment on here for each of mine. I've got one great lyrics oh i was gonna do that and then i didn't maybe i can maybe <laughs> I, I can try to do you, it i was gonna tell you about it but then i didn't no i was totally gonna do it that's so funny you said that we're basically the same <laughs> great person from when someone like you should not be allowed to start any fires oh well deep cuts all right number nine on deep cuts is the song frankie lee and judas priest from the 1967 album john wesley harding in my opinion, uh, this song is his best, most fleshed-out, quasi-biblical morality, morality fable from his best, most fleshed-out, quasi-biblical morality fable-themed album. <laughs> this one's like, 
a good six and a half minutes long of just one simple descending chord progression. Frank Lee and Judas Priest, they were the best of friends. Uh, you know, repeat, re- repeat for about six minutes. Um, yeah, I could keep going. Uh, I probably know most of it. It's, uh, it's not boring in the least, even though I've probably made it sound kind of boring. Um, it's got a very naughty and head-scratching narrative, uh, but in a good way. It makes you think. And it actually has a point at the end, which, you know, Bob, Bob doesn't have to do. I mean, it's, it's very, like, it's very, uh, what, ethereal. But there is, there is wow. a point. And I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think exactly how the last line goes. That can be my, that can be my one great lyric thing. Uh, Stop mistaking paradise for the home across the road. Right? That wraps it all up. That's my number nine. Deep cut. All right. Number nine from David Bowie. Sue, or in a season of crime from Blackstar. Now, some of you, probably Jake included, said they're going, but Charlie, that was a single. You talked about it a heck of a lot in the the recent. Oh, you're cheating again. That's fine. I'm not, Jake. You are. Why? It was completely 100% re-recorded mm. for Blackstar. Mm, mm-hmm. And so it's completely different. It's, it's okay. very, a very... Okay, all right, I take it back. You weren't cheating. It's a different arrangement. It's much faster. It's much more regressive than the single version from 2014. So this is from Blackstar from 2016. Obviously my most recent track because it was his last album. Oh, womp, womp. It opens the second side of the LP. It is a, an aggressive... There's a lot going on in this episode. You know, I'm listening to these songs even more and more. I always liked this one, but I liked it much more now after listening to all that's going on in the background of this. So he's got this jazzy, aggressive... Like, there's a lot going on. Um, it's basically about a love story that goes wrong and probably he kills her at the end. Hmm. Probably. Yeah. Single much more. I like both. I don't know which version of the song I like better, but they're so different. They're so exciting. And it's just kicks off the second half to black star, which is, you know, very, it's one of those albums very clearly made to be an LP. Sure. Sure. Love that. Like those are my it's, favorites. It's, it's there. Like there's two very distinct sides. <clears throat> kicks off the second side. Anyway, great lyric. Sue, you said you wanted writ Sue the Virgin on your stone for your grave. What? Boom. Deep cuts. <laughs> All right, my number eight deep cut is the song Trying to Get to Heaven from Time Out of Mind in 1997. The reason I paused there. We just talked about that. Yeah, we did. Uh, like three months after it came out, if, <laughs> we did a studio, <laughs> a studio version cover of it. That's right. Uh, lots of people have covered songs off of Time Out of Mind. Uh, trying to get to heaven. The reason I paused after saying it because uh, even though it's not in the title, you just got to say before they close the door. Trying to get to heaven before they close the door. Uh, my daughter Mabel, my middle daughter, she's uh, eight. She said, this is very calm, doesn't make me dance, but I very much like the instruments. It's very nice. And I said, well, that's a, that's a nice... That's a nice assessment that's, of this song. Yeah, that's great. All right, well done, man. Um, it is one of the great, if not the the best, uh, mortality cut off of Time Out of Mind, which of course is his great uh, mortality record, at least until at least until uh, the the most recent one came out. Rough and rowdy ways. Rough. <laughs> Such a. You know what I'm saying? Did I, I don't like saying it. I don't like saying it. It's his best album in a, in a while, and and yet 
and yet why? Worst title and worst cover. Yeah, I like the picture. I just it's the font, the font oh, of the writing. Cool. The picture's it's fine. Cool. At least it didn't have like, Bob's like, face like on a it. Not, like a bad bootleg on top of it. It's like from, and it's not even just that. It's like from like 1999. Like the the font is like recognizable from like oh, 20 yeah. years ago. Like cheap computer technology. <laughs> anyway, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about trying to get to heaven before they close the door. Uh, it's actually a really nice anchor for the album. And this is one of the ones where it was a little iffy for me. Like how deep is this cut? How much of a deep cut yeah. is yeah. it? Because people know it. But it wasn't a single, and it's it, yet, so. and it's one of it's one of those songs that ended up throughout the years like shining through, even in amongst the more popular the more popular songs. It's good, and it's a, you know uh, I don't know how autobiographical it is or anything like that. But again, a kind of a kind of an earnest uh, lyric set from him. Uh, my favorite lyric from that I actually wrote it down here is uh, I went to Sugar Town, I shook the sugar down. <laughs> I assume he stole that from like a 1920s jazz song or something like that. So. Uh, adapted it, Jake. Your arrangement <laughs> by Bob Dylan. Arranged by this lyric, arranged by Bob Dylan. <laughs> uh, that is my number eight deep cut. All right, number eight for Bowie, V2 Schneider, 1977 track off of Heroes. Uh, it is a mostly instrumentals track off the second. Actually, it's the opening of the second set of Heroes, just like last one was the opening, the opening of the second set as well. Um, both Low and Heroes, their second sides are mostly instrumental ambient songs that Bowie made with uh, Brian Eno. Yep. This one's not really ambient. It is in- primarily instrumental, but it's, it's a bit of a rocker. Oh, hey. uh, it gets its name. The Schneider part is named from uh, Florian Schneider of Kraftwerk, who just recently passed away. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, Kraftwerk was a large influence on Bowie's Berlin period, particularly uh, Radioactivity and uh, Audubon. He likes those a lot. Listen to those a lot. Uh, it's just a good song. Like I let it, a lot of Bowie's instrumentals off those two albums are really great. He didn't do a lot of instrumentals after that. There's a couple sprinkled in throughout the rest of his catalog, but after, besides those two albums, he just didn't do a lot. But they're really good. I wish he'd you know, I wish he'd gotten for like a full instrumental album or something. That could have been really interesting. That could have been nice. Anyway, great lyric is V two Schneider, which is the only thing he says in the entire song. V two. Inquiring minds want to know how difficult it was and challenging for you to pick that lyric out of the many that were on that song. <laughs> I picked the uh, the sixth time he says "Me too, Schneider." Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, when, when he does that thing with his voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Uh, let's do let's do Bob Dylan's number seven deep cut. Hey, boom! It is Quinn the Eskimo from the nineteen seventy album Self Portrait. Uh, this song is kind of a long and winding history. It was originally recorded in a much slower, you know, more serious way for the Basement Tapes with the band in 1967. And then it became a huge hit for Manfred Mann in 1968. This was a this was like practice, this was almost a number one hit in 1968 for Manfred Mann. Um, and then <clears throat> Bob only released one version on Self Portrait. It's from a performance at the Isle of Wight Festival in 1969, which we talked about in one of our very first episodes, way yeah. back when. Way back. It's the best thing in the concert. 
and it is by far the very best thing on self-portrait so this song is just a rollicking good time it is a rocker it's fun it has the lyrics mean nothing even less than normal they're just out there i mean it's talking there's of course the internet has tried to to make it into something i think on wikipedia there was various you know theories as to who quinn the eskimo was and it doesn't even matter if they were right or wrong because he's just screaming quinn the eskimo and all this kind of stuff um, it's so fun that everybody in my family stopped eating breakfast, which they're prone to do anyway, and just jump up and do a little dance in the in the in the living room. Nice. And I I don't have it's hard to understand what he's saying, but I mean the chorus is just the best. It's uh, you know, when Queen the Eskimo gets here, everybody gonna jump for joy. Come on without, come on within. You'll not see nothing like the mighty Queen. Ba-dum, ba-dum, boom. <laughs> Great. Great. So that's my number seven. Deep cut. Deep cut. Jake, how do you respond quickly? I, I feel like I've read that Eskimo is actually considered an uh, ethnic slur now. What? Really? Yeah, I think oh, so. I, just I, sang, I, just, I could be wrong about that. I just sang a bunch of ethnic slurs, and I apologize. Okay. I, I did not know. No, I... Yeah, anyway. Number seven, Sweet Thing and Candidate Sweet Thing Reprise off of Diamond Dogs, 1974. Boom. Um, slightly broke the rules on this one, but I'm ready to And I don't care. You're a rule um, it's breaker. actually three, on the original Diamond Dogs album, this is three discrete tracks. It's three different tracks in the album. But they run seamlessly into one another as one giant suite. And actually, it's on two different live albums, and on both those live albums, it's only one track. The three of them together, only one track. So yeah. I felt like I was, like, in a good place to make this, you know. The three of them together. Whatever. This number. It's half your podcast. Shoot <laughs> <laughs> you want to do. I do what I want. The <laughs> There's no points involved here, so you just do whatever you want. I don't care. Do whatever I want. Anyway, uh, so it is. It's, it starts with one song, turns into another one, comes back to the first one. They're all together. There's no break in tracks. Like, I don't know what this would look like. I don't know that on vinyl. But on vinyl, like, I'm not sure you'd even be able to tell what the difference of the tracks is because there is no stop between them. Anyway, uh, it's an epic song. The three of them together is about nine minutes long, which, I mean, is like the kind of median length for songs for Dave, for uh, Bob Dylan, right? Right around Yeah, that's, it's probably right. Uh, right you know, right? 40th percentile, probably. <laughs> but for Bowie, nine minutes makes it, you know, one of his longest <laughs> songs. This is an epic song about possibly falling in love with a prostitute, maybe. Uh -oh. Definitely prostitutes involved. There's no question about that. I mean, that's what the Diamond Dogs are from the album. And just, you know, let's just throw that out there. Uh, but it rises, it falls. It's great. It's a wild ride, Jake. It's just a wild whoa, ride. Whoa, 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 whoa. No? You know. Sure. Uh, great lyric from the song. For hope, boys, is a cheap thing. Cheap thing. Mm. Cheap <laughs> Cheap thing. Deep cut. <laughs> All right. Uh, number six. Uh, oh, this is fun. I, I didn't realize that I did this, but my number six deep cut is from a Buick Six from the 1965 album Highway 61 Revisited. Oh, yeah. Uh, the song's, this song's got some swagger. And I was looking at the track list. There's, <clears throat> I don't know what it is. album's so good that I own it. That's right. An album so classic that even Charlie has it. Uh, <laughs> it uh, I think there's about 10 songs on there and this this is the only song that I could identify that was not like a stone cold classic that he would end up playing in shows 
mm-hmm. through, you know, the next year on his uh, on his European tour, or it's not obviously like a Rolling Stone or anything monumental. Um, but for whatever reason, when I got this album, when I was 14 or 15, probably, it's one of the songs that spoke to me right away as a teen. Um, I was pretty heavy into the blues then, and it's kind of a blues rocker. Um, but it's also kind of got that, what he would call on Blonde on Blonde, that thin, wild Mercury sound. It's just kind of like a rollicking, a rollicking fun time. Um, he's just talking total gibberish, but I love it. And uh, my favorite lyric on it is, uh, she walks like Bo Diddley, but she don't need no crutch. <laughs> <laughs> my graveyard woman, you know, she keeps my kids. But my soulful mommy, you know, I keep her hid. I don't know. He was like 22 at the time. Like, what is he talking about? Nobody knows. <laughs> All right. That was my number six. Deep cut. All right. Number six from Bowie. We're wrapping these up. Most of these are burned from the 70s. I mean, it had the Sue from 2016. There's a couple sure. uh, breaking out of the 70s every once in a while. This is one of those. Uh, the song is Sunday from Heathen from oh. 2002. Oh. It's the opening track on Heathen. Uh, I think, in my opinion, now, Heathen is an interesting album. It's it's seen as one of Bowie's later day classics, and it is a really good album. It's one of his best post Scary Monsters albums. Um, but I think one of the big reasons Heathen has such a good reputation is the first like four or five songs are amazing. The second half can't keep up. Let's be honest with it. Let's but, just do uh, that. This song just starts things off to a really great start. It's got kind of a. Uh, a synthy sound coming through. It's slow. Halfway through, it explodes into this rocking sound. It's great. It's a great song. Sure. Um, and I just, I, I like it. I just like it a lot. You it's just like really it. Cool. There's, there's like some really it. good songs on that album. Uh, yeah. So great lyric on this one is, nothing has changed. Everything has changed. Ooh. Oh. The first half, which inspired a name of a Bowie compilation from 2014, which we also talked about well, <laughs> that sounds familiar. It came from that song. So yeah. that's how good that line is right there. So there's number six. Jake, I want everyone to know that we're actually like doing yeah. pretty well. No, this is great. Right this is great. So let's really go down the rabbit hole and just go on crazy. We just tangents in the second half here. What do you say? Uh, don't, first of all, don't tempt me. And <laughs> two, let's not do that. I think I like this. I like our pace. <laughs> I like our pace right now. We're really moving along here. We're like a well-constructed mix CD. You know what I mean? <laughs> CDs, everyone. You know what those are. The second half, you got to stretch out a little bit. You put the weird ones back, you know. That's true. Well, you've already had like nine. You've already had like nine minute songs. You're stealing Dylan's thunder That's here. True. Yeah. That's true. Well, they're gonna get longer, Jake. Well, somehow Dylan's eleven minute songs always end up being the most popular ones. Somehow, I'm not sure how that ends up being. His first number one single from this year is his longest song ever, uh, clocking it at seventeen minutes long. <laughs> Murder and Most Foul. Murder Most Foul. Should we call the album Murder Most Foul? It's a good name. Yeah, it's almost it's like it's a double. It's a double album, and the second, the second side or the second album only has Murder Most Foul on it. So like, <laughs> I kind of feel like it has its own album, you know. I suppose on on, uh, on vinyl that probably is the entire fourth side, isn't it? Is that song? Well, it's a, the entire second CD. I have a two CD version, and Murder Most Foul. Just all that's on it. Yeah, because the rest of the album's so long that they had to. He he uh he kind of. They like broke it up a little bit, and there was more than one song on the second no, CD. No, just murder most fell. That's weird. That's it. It is weird. <laughs> it is. It's but like I, why why would you do that? <laughs> I don't know. Why not? Uh, 
All right, let's call up Bob. Let's call him up. Should we do that? Let's, should we get a special guest on today? Oh, let's sure. I am on Wikipedia right now, and that album is 70 minutes long. It clearly would fit on one CD. I thought I thought they were... Oh, I guess it was... They're 80 minutes long, aren't they? CDs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can do 80 minutes. Yeah, Jake. Surprised you didn't know that. <laughs> I did know that. I just... I don't know why, Chaz. I, I feel like... I don't... Yeah, but at 70, like... Cause you, could, you know the vinyl. The vinyl stretches out over... Over four well, solid sides. It's got to, it's got to, right? But you also know that they, they put it on a seven LP, you know, release. It's just one song per side. <laughs> They're ten <laughs> tracks, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean, though. Murder Most Fell occupies at least four album sides. <laughs> it's a seven-inch album. <laughs> yeah, it's a seven-inch album. That's what I'm saying. So, this, the uh, 17 minute Murder Most Fell takes four sides. It's yeah, two so, so two here... So here we are. We were joking about the tangent thing, and then it happened. All right. So, all right. So let's do my number five. Number five. Number five. Deep cut. You're gonna make me lonesome when I go. I don't know why I just <laughs> put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllables, but I just did. I don't know why. All right. You're gonna make me lonesome when I go. From Blood on the Tracks. You know it. You love it. From the year 1975. This song is an actual love song without winking too hard his tongue isn't like his, his tongue isn't like all the way in his cheek when he's singing this uh bob has bob has a kind of a, a a nasty habit of you know turning it all on the other person in the relationship especially in his early years he was very sardonic about his about his relationships and he's you know of course just smarter and wittier than everyone else so no one else could kind of get a word in edgewise he always had the he always had the platform but this one is an actual an actual love song of course lost love it is on blood on the tracks by the you know after all <laughs> more blood more tracks but this really is kind of as much of a ditty as bob ever wrote it's very effective uh one fun thing about it is he admits in in lyric that he was influenced by the french poets uh, verlaine and rambeau um that was always kind of an accusation leveled at him in his early years that like he was just kind of Kind of his stream of consciousness lyrics were just kind of, uh, you know, not 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 ripoffs, but like kind of parodies or 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 mock mock offs of of these old French poets. Um, and he would always say, "No, no, of course not. I thought it all up myself." Uh, but he's got the he's got the lyrics in there. And uh, my favorite lyric by far is, "You're gonna make me give myself a good talking to." There oh, it yeah. is. That was number five. <laughs> Deep cut. Number five for David Bowie. Getting back into the 70s with 1977's Always Crashing in the Same Car Whoa. from Lowe. Mm. Uh, so Lowe is an interesting album. Uh, the first half of it is made up of kind of really strange, short, po art poppy songs. The second half is all instrumental. This is from the first half. Um, these songs have very few lyrics. They're really short. Uh, Sound and Vision is the one that's really well known. Sure, sure, um, sure, sure, sure. Which, you know, and like, there's no lyrics in that for like the first minute and a half or that's, something. That's not a deep it was, cut. It was originally going to be a um, an instrumental song, and then he added lyrics. Anyway, Always Crashing the Same Car is one of those first half album songs. I don't know why I just said it like that. But, uh, <laughs> the album is pretty dark. It's pretty depressing. It's all in Bowie. You know, getting out of off of drugs. Figuring himself out, you know, with measure, different measures of success, living in Berlin and doing all kinds of stuff. And it's like, it's, he's got a lot of dark, like, interesting 
kind of metaphors and always crashing in the same car. It's one of those things that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But, uh, like, it, it resonates anyway. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just like that lyric. And so that is actually the great lyric I chose. There aren't a lot of lyrics in the song anyway. But the great lyric I chose is, I'm always crashing in the same car. Okay. That's a good one. That's, that's really good. good. Yeah, that's good. No, I like that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna get serious. Take it down a notch, Chaz. No more fun. Well, I just took I just took it down a notch with always crashing the same car. Yeah, I know, but this one's this one's thing. even this one's even even more serious. My number four, deep cut, taking it down a notch, is the lonesome death of Hattie Carroll from the 1964 album The Times. They are a uh, changing. All right, so uh, Bob Dylan was writing quote-unquote protest music during this period, and The Lonesome Death of Hetty Carroll is my favorite protest song. I don't know if you want to put air quotes around that or what. Do what you, do what you must with that. He never thought he was yeah, a protest singer. He should return to protest songs. Return to his roots. That's, that's what he's going to do. <laughs> with some more deep cuts. Uh, so this is my favorite protest song it might not be the most important one from that era I mean I'm sure you could think of several others including the times they are changing the uh, Mm -hmm. uh and uh, and some others Um, but I think this is the one that says the most universal things with the most specific story Um, so the story of the song is that he read about this uh, murder in a Baltimore newspaper or the murder occurred in Baltimore it was a wealthy uh, denizen who murdered apparently for no reason uh, his housekeeper, his African American housekeeper, and of course, you know, uh, back in the day, as as then, as sometimes happens now, you know, he had the benefit of kind of a corrupt uh, legal system, and he got like six months. He got like six months for the murder, and the, uh-huh. the song is absolutely heartbreaking. It's absolutely. He just like he sings it. The harmonica's good. It's just him and a guitar. Like really, all you can hear is his voice. Um, and of course, you know, it's just, it's too bad that it resonates so well today. Um, my favorite, my favorite lyric, uh, from it is he's listing all the things that Hattie Carroll and her children were doing within this home. And the last one is, uh, he says, they emptied the ashtrays on a whole other level. And that's my number four. That's 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 deep, right? Yeah. That's deep. It's like not just emptying the ashtrays. It's a whole other level of that. All right. So, sorry to bring it all down here, but that was my number four, Deep Cut. All right. Uh, first of all, I'd like to acknowledge the elephant in the room, or rather the, like, bird that's just tweeting on your end of the oh. phone. Oh, you, do you want to know what that is? Yeah. We bought, we bought baby chickens. We bought chicks. And oh. uh, they, need like a, they need, like, a heat lamp. And so we decided to keep them inside because our nights have still been too cool uh, to put them out. So they're just they're just chirping it up in there. Uh, one's named let's so James's uh, is named Manchester, even though it's a girl, and uh, Mabel's is named BB. Manchester's good. I like it. It's classy. And then there's there's BB like, uh, and then uh, <laughs> my 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 youngest daughter is three, and we asked her what she wanted to name her chick, and she had all kinds of wild things, but then she she landed on Juice Duck. She wanted to name it <laughs> Juice Duck. <laughs> Uh, nickname. Best Nick, so far. It's the best day by far, and and nickname is Juicy, so we call it either <laughs> either Juice Duck or Juicy. <laughs> They're really cute. Uh, it's gonna be a little more ironic when uh, he grows up and eat it, right? <laughs> no, we're not eating them. We're just uh, we're just having them lay eggs for us, you know, just slave labor. That's all. Okay. 
Yeah. All right, good to know. I was curious because it sounded like there was you know, a bird inside of the room with you, and apparently there is yeah. multiple birds. I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> this, this, didn't expect there were multiple. I, knew you had chicken, them. I didn't guess that they were in the same room as you. Oh, yeah, they're right over there. In fact, they okay. love they love Bowie versus Dylan. They're ready to sponsor. They're well, ready for a sponsorship opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number four from David Bowie. Five years off of the album The Rise and Fall. Oh, so well then. This is a less deep cut because the album is so iconic. But, you know, it's not a single. It's not as well-known a song. It is the first track off of Ziggy Stardust. And it is one of those, like, classic starts to an album. It starts out silent and you hear the drums, like, slowly rolling in. Mm. I'm nodding. I'm rocking out right now. Yeah, good album opener. And he's saying, pushing through the market square. Dun, dun, dun. So many mothers sighing. Bum, 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 bum. News had just come over. We had five years left to cry in. And then it keeps going for the rest et cetera, of the Etc. Etcetera, etcetera. Etc. Etcetera. Uh so it starts out with an announcement that the uh the world is going to end in five years. Oh, and so then the rest of the song is going to have a series of impressionist, impressionistic looks around him. People on the street, people are like slowly going nuts. Things just slowly rise. It's just like a really great start. Wow. To a really, to a really great album. Like, yeah, that's really great. Like, it just sucks you in and then you just take off for, you know, a while. You take flight. 43 minutes or however long the album is. You fly is. away. You fly away. <laughs> so great. All so right. great. Great song. I love that one. Good start to the album. Uh, and my great line from that is, my brain hurt like a warehouse. It had no room to spare. Whoa. A stuffed warehouse. Oh, I get it. I think I, I, think I get it. I don't know. This album, this, I mean, I this album is a whole, but this song is a great example of how Bowie took sci-fi themes mm. and brought them into music and then made them about more, you know, I mean, Space Oddity is, you know, his most famous one like that of taking, you know, space travel and then making it about loneliness. I've never you know? I've never heard of that song, but that's fine. Well, uh, is that number one on your deep, deep cut? <laughs> <laughs> no one knows that one. I know. I know. Well, it was a single, though, unfortunately. Deep cut. All right. We're getting down to the old wire, as they say. This is uh, this is our number three deep cut from Bob Dylan. It is Black Diamond Bay. From the 1976 album Desire. And I just want to say, like, this is probably, you know, quick quick BVD award. This is probably the deepest cut that I like, that I really like. Even I don't know this song as well as I should. It's one of my favorite, Bob Dylan. <laughs> it's one of my favorite. <laughs> number three on your list of deep cuts. I know, I know. Maybe it should have been number one for this reason. But I didn't, I don't, I didn't know this song as, as well as I should have. It's on one of my favorite Bob Dylan albums. I've listened to it a hundred times, probably, if not more. And yet it's like it's so it's so nice and it's so melodic and it's so kind of lilting and, and fun that I didn't, you know, I didn't really give it the time of day uh, that I should have with all the other stuff going around and around it. Like that's the album that has Hurricane on it and Isis and all these other kind of gnarlier tracks. And this yeah. one, this one's not very gnarly, but it's tucked right in there. It's tucked in there. It's, it's like a consummate. It's like a fine wine deep cut. It's like a very. It's like mm. Mm, it's like the definition of a deep cut. Um, it is very much in the vein of a song off of his previous album, Blood on the Tracks, called Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts. 
So it's kind of this really long narrative. This one's like seven and a half minutes long. Uh, Is that yeah, yeah, well, that's it. That's it. Um, it's got a really complicated uh, narrative that shifts perspective and, uh, and tense throughout. So there's kind of like a not a not a fourth wall busting moment, but a moment when the narr- the narrator turns out to be somebody that you didn't think it was at the very end, you know, something kind of, kind of like that. It's a it's it's just kind of a like a nice story. It's fun to listen to, um, and I don't, you know, not knowing it as well as I should, uh, I don't have a I don't have like a, a a lyric off of it to share. I just want to say that it's just like. It's just laying on the back half of desire. It's just deep in the hay, just nestled in there like a, like a, like a dude cut should be. <laughs> on to you. All right. Number three for Bowie is also probably the deepest cut. That oh, got. very nice. Very nice We're deep cut. We're jumping up to 1995 with the album Outside. Okay. And Outside is, you consider one of Bowie's best post uh, Scary Monsters albums. Um, it's also too long. Let's just acknowledge it's this just is too long. Album. Oh, it's too it's long. long album. It's the longest album. Uh, and it's got an interesting mixture of kind of industrial sounds, but he also brings in, in particular, his amazing off and on piano player, Mike Gerson, who we like yeah. so much that we renamed him Mick Gerson. Definitely. And a, 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 a wonderful honor. An honor for him. It's an honor. It's, it's an honorary Mick. <laughs> yes, yes. For sure. Yep. Uh, and Simic Garson is all over this song. I didn't look it up. I don't I wonder if he got a uh, co-writing credit on this one. He might have. He probably did. Um, so it starts out with just him doing this crazy jazzy piano stuff all over the place. And there's a jazzy drum kick in the background. And it's a slow build, this crazy collusion. The album is a very dark album. It's about like this imaginary dystopian uh, art murder like a murder as performance art like that's the whole yeah, album yeah yeah, yeah 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 i i can relate i can relate to that <laughs> you know that was that's not that like you last summer jake you know, <laughs> yeah. remember when you were investigating that art murder in, yeah. the, in the future yeah and i was it was just like a film noir uh except yeah. it was in the future yeah i remember that yeah. i vaguely yeah. remember that yeah. but, 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 but was it a dream Chaz? that's what i want to know well whatever anyway <laughs> Uh, it's a slow build to this crazy conclusion. Things get bigger and bigger. The lyrics are really quite simple as to what Bowie says. He's mostly saying it, but poor soul, poor dunce. Uh, it's just a great song. It's such a good song. I remember when we did the 1995 episode, which I almost never do. I shared this song with you. Do you remember this? No. I'm like, Jake, you got to listen to this song. Maybe, but I never did. You said you told me you did. I did? Oh, yeah, I did. I remember that now. I did. Yeah, I think I liked it. Did you? Wait, no, no, I did. I did. I remember. I remember now. That was back in the day. That was back in the day. No, I did. I did. I listened to it with, with my wife. I remember now. That was like two years ago, so shut Great up. Great lyric. It was not. Yes, it was. It was a few months ago. No, it wasn't. Great lyric. The brains talk, but the will to live is dead. Ah. <laughs> I don't know. I should show you how dark this album is. Super dark, dark, man. But this one is a deep cut. <laughs> Great, man. All right. So uh, for number two on uh, on my deep cuts, uh, and this deep cut podcast, it's a song called Dark Eyes. And this is from 1985's Empire Burlesque. That's right, a mid-80s Bob Dylan song. Now, Chaz, I, w- I want you to picture yourself, okay? I'm picturing myself. All right, you picture yourself. <clears throat> you are you are listening to one of Bob Dylan's mid-80s 
worst sounding albums. You are in Bob Dylan mid eighties hell. You're literally in hell. You're just uh-huh. you're wandering around. Yeah. There's flames shooting everywhere. You're being tortured from every orifice. Like whatever. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And this is going on for like thirty eight minutes, and it's just the soundtrack to your hell is a synthy tossed off lung, love song garbage fest, and everything's on fire. And then all of a sudden you see it, Chaz. You see it in the distance. What is that? Is that a snowball? Is that a snowball in Bob Hell? Yes, it is. It's a brief glimpse of heaven. You hear classical guitar. You hear a harmonica. And you hear Bob's voice not nearly as nasally as it usually is in the mid-80s. And that's when you hear it, Chaz. You hear Dark Eyes by Bob Dylan. One of the best songs, maybe his best song of the 1980s up until Oh Mercy. I mean, other people... Other people right. might say, uh, oh, what's that one? Brownsville Girl from Knocked Out Loaded, uh, which he wrote with Sam Shepard and was like a shocking like 13-minute classic that he just kind of pulled out. But this, is, this song is more shocking because it's the very last song on the album. Mm-hmm. So like when we did the 1985 episode, I know that I mentioned yeah. this song. Brooke and I were listening, because the only reason I have it is I got it for like 50 cents on vinyl at Goodwill. And we were listening to it, and it was like uh, it's almost unlistenable. You get you get mad at it. It's so bad. And then all of a sudden, you're just like, "Gosh, is this almost over?" Good thing Bob can't write any songs in the mid '80s, and these albums are like 33 minutes long. And then and then Dark Eyes shows up, and it's like it's like wildly shocking. It's like a really really good song. It's like Bob is telling you, "I still got it, but I'm gonna withhold it from you." for like five or six or 12 more years. What do you think of that? Like, Bob, maybe you shouldn't put out an album every nine months. Like, your record label wants you to. Why don't you stop signing onerous contracts that make you look terrible? But he won't. He didn't do that. He didn't do it. He just kept signing those onerous contracts. And then you get out of hell. I don't know. The metaphor, like, Dark Eyes pulls you up. But then... Like the next year, knocked out, loaded comes on, and then you're right, you're right back in hell again. Right back where you were. Right, right, right back in there. And then Brownsville Girl pulls you out briefly, but then that's not the last song on the album, so it all collapses. You're back in there. <laughs> Nothing sounds good until 1989, and then you go back, you go back again uh, for uh, the Red Red Sky, whatever that stupid album was called. I can't remember it now. Under the Red Sky, and then the in sky. and then in 1997, you're 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 out again. So. I don't know if you pictured yourself doing all that just now. Can no, you feel I it? Didn't. You did. I lost the train. Oh, well, I'm, it's off the tracks. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, was there blood on the tracks though? That's my that's my question. More blood. There was more tracks. <laughs> How many more? Like a lot? Like enough that you might put exclamation points after every word? <laughs> more. Can we keep Can we keep going? Blood or what? More tracks. <laughs> All right, that was my number two deep cuts. Dark Eyes. All right, number two from Bowie. A Stone Cold classic that never got its due or never was released as a single or whatever. I don't know. The album is Aladdin Sane from 1973. The song is Aladdin Sane. 1913-1938-1970. Question mark. Question mark. So, this <laughs> is a weird title to a song. That is a weird title. Start, like, digging into it a little bit, which I did. Um, the years in the title, 1913 and 1938. Uh, notably, those are the years right before World War One and World War Two, respectively. 
the last year of oh. peace wars broke out. Interesting. Uh, is suggesting that uh, another world war was about to break out in the seventies, which clearly didn't do. But uh, that—that's where we're getting this. Um, this song has another brilliant use of Mick Garrison. Oh, Mick! Actually, Thank you, Mick. It was actually his first album with Bowie was uh, Aladdin Sane. He yeah, grabbed on here. He, uh, he was pulled up, gathered up during the tour for Ziggy Stardust. Z Stardust and Aladdin Sane. Anyway, the. Um, the, uh, the, the song is about, it's one of his kind of messianic songs, which has got a lot of that going on, too. Sure. Messianic figures is definitely one of those. Aladdin Zane was a new character who was supposedly different from Ziggy Stardust, but looked the same and was really pretty similar. But the song does appear to be about, you know, him as a messianic, Aladdin Zane as a messianic figure. Um, with that, the great lyric is, we'll love Aladdin Zane. I don't understand what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> will love Aladdin Sane. We'll love him. Will. will like, oh, will. Oh, yeah. Like, we will. Apostrophe L. It's, a, con- it's a contraction. We'll love Aladdin Sane. We'll love Aladdin Sane. We will love him, Jake. You and me? Yeah. We'll love Aladdin Sane. We will? Okay. Yeah, we should sing about it. <laughs> well, I don't that, that, I kind of feel like that's up to you and uh, David, <laughs> possibly David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this has got Mick Garrison doing his jazzy pianos. Oh yeah, Mick Garrison. Oh yeah, it's definitely the most Mick Garrison song on the album, and uh, it's a great one. It's a good, I love Mick Garrison. Like, he just did so much good work with Boys. Yeah, and his name is now Mick, and it's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Ooh, mm. Mm, Mick. Ooh, Mickey. <laughs> You're so fine. You're so fine. <laughs> the radio. My son, uh, my oldest son, got his own room. My nine-year-old got his own room. Uh-oh. And he, uh, he and I went out and bought a little, like, CD player radio. Yeah, nice. Room. nice, nice, nice. One, so I found, like, a $5 one at Goodwill. It was great. But he's been uh, discovering his own radio stations. And yeah. he's discovered the, uh, the oldies station, which, of course, is playing almost exclusively 80s and 90s right. music. Right, right. <laughs> Shockingly. So we caught a really hot 80s block. Let's bear it out with Mickey. Yeah. Boom. You're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, Mickey. Hey, Mickey. Oh, Mickey. Yes. And then it went into some Prince. And yeah. And it was delirious. And then uh, it went into Bowie. I forget which Bowie song it was. Oh. There's Bowie in there. It was it was hot. There was Michael Jackson. Let's came, dance. Came in with uh, uh, what was it? Beat it. I think it was Beat it. Oh, it nice. Was, it was a good. It was a good block, James. Wow. We did that. Wow. So. <laughs> oh, and Bangles. The Bangles came in. With was it? The block, like, oh shit. man, that's a banger. That's a Bangles <laughs> banger. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that is not a deep cut. That was a big hit. It was a big hit. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was a great little uh, segue here. Yeah, we're really. Upset, but we're still under an hour as of right now. We'll we'll pass it by now by bunch. It's gonna be an under control episode. Yeah, I love it. Deep cuts. All right, I guess we're here. We've made it. We've arrived. It's the number one deep cut. <laughs> Bob Dylan. <laughs> Looks like we made it. Looks like we made it. Uh, how? How soon do you think even Arthur, uh, your son, will get sick of those songs after they play the same ones probably 20,000 times in a row? Based on the number of times that my children have played the true Frozen soundtracks in the yeah, last Yeah, those, those are a little different. There though. is no point when they will get sick of them ever. Ever. Yeah, okay. All right. Ever. All right. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Ever. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I showed I showed my middle daughter how to how to how to do iTunes on on our iPad, and now she just listens yeah. to Frozen Two, Spirit, the the horse one. Your boys not, uh, might not no, enjoy no, that. No, Frozen, Spirit. Frozen Two and Moana. Those are the three. Yeah, there's a lot of Moana. Constantly. Uh, yeah, it's which I like the uh, the Jemaine Clement one. That's obviously a David Bowie parody. Oh, it's hilarious. Moana. That Shiny. is. It's like, it's a great Shiny. song. He even does it like, man. Don't you know, man? Don't you know? Anyway, that's the best character in that movie. That's hilarious. Oh, yeah. Okay, anyway, let's do let's do Bob Dylan's number one. Deep cut. It's called Fourth Time Around off of Blonde on Blonde, my favorite Bob Dylan album from 1966. Uh... You know, this one's just like, to me, this isn't even a deep cut. This is like such a classic to me. But I realized that it was not a single, and I don't know that a lot of people know it. Uh, well, a lot of casual fans, anyway. Um, Yola Tango covered it on the I'm Not There soundtrack from 2007. Okay. Did a good job. Uh, I like it. Uh, they had, uh, I, don't, I don't know the They're name. They're really good at covering stuff. Well, just they are, and I, I just, I really like when uh, females sing male parts. Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, it just gives it a different perspective, and so I don't know the names of the, the, the Yolda Tango people, but the, Georgia. the, the lady. Georgia. Georgia. Georgia sang it, and it's really lovely. Um, this oh, one starts off popular. with these with these dueling classical guitars. I, I realize my my top two deep cuts involve classical guitars, which I don't know what that says about me, but very interesting. <laughs> it says you like classical guitars. <laughs> it says I like it, uh, and it just like it starts out, and then the drums come in, and it's just a it. As my wife described it, she said it lifts you up and carries you along. And then uh, we both at the very same time thought of the old Bugs Bunny cartoons where, like, a smell comes from the kitchen, like the smell of a pie. And, oh, the, yeah, yeah. and the character, like, it, they inhale it, and then they just start floating along with the thing, uh-huh. like, uh, in the air. That's kind of how this song is. So, nice. um, Good I, analogy. I like it. I yeah, like yeah. It. Yeah, we thought about it at the exact same time. It was great. Um, and uh, Bob lets Bob lets you in a little bit on this one. It's a it's a very warm song, where at the time he was not making a lot of very warm music, but that classical guitar and everything uh, uh, puts it up there. And the the lyrics are are hilarious. It's a funny song. Um, it, it describes uh, his I don't know if it was a breakup or post breakup with Joan Baez, but he describes her in a very in a very funny way. Not 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 entirely disrespectful. But he's also. Okay. Is he getting catty? Uh, it's it's slightly catty, but it's more, it's more the description of, of the situation is is just it's funny. It, it, it's relatable, but it's funny. And he of course makes fun of himself as well. And he basically, he basically admits that it was his fault, even then in the song, which you know. In interviews and whatever, I don't think he. Give you, Bob. I don't. <laughs> I don't think he would. I mean, but he did it in a very like elliptical, roundabout oh, sort of yeah. way. Well, also, well, also given her, given her the business as well. But it's kind of funny that this. It, it, it's, it's a narrative that has a beginning and end, um, and uh, at the end he says, uh, and this is how you know it's about about Joni, sweet Joni Baez. He says, uh, he says. I never asked for your crutch. Now don't ask for mine. And that is in reference to how she brought him along on her concerts and kind of helped him become famous. And then when he was super famous, he kind of kicked her to the curb, you know, relationship wise as well as career wise uh, in in some of his concerts. So it's basically a breakup song. 
but it's just it's one of those songs that just warms its way in i've i've loved it since i was whatever 15 or 16 or whenever i heard blonde on blonde so there you go that's my number one deep cut all right bowie's number one our last track for the episode under an hour here no way uh Dialing it back to 1976 for the album Station to Station with the song Station to Station. Ooh. It's the first track on Ooh. Station to Station, and it's Bowie's longest officially released studio track at 10 minutes and 14 seconds. Wow. Like Dylan's uh, <laughs> That's his, 90th longest yeah, song. Yeah, it's 91st. It's tied uh, for 91st longest song. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it starts with a minute of weird train sounds. Sweet, dude. And builds like there, which are not actually trains. There's some kind of crazy synthesizer that somebody built up. But it starts out, it's one of those where it, like, it's dancing back and forth between the two stereo channels. But it really like, draws you into the album. It starts silent, and you've got this like, like going back and forth. It's great. It's great. Um, and builds up with this big boom, 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 doo doo, doo, boom. <laughs> no, keep going for 10 minutes and 14 seconds. <laughs> we can wait. And the instruments all slowly come in. It's a great song, Jake. I, I, I guess, I guess so. It's one of Bowie's most epic songs. The song changes completely about halfway through, um, until it's like you know a totally different song, but but keeps rolling along. Um, it introduces the Thin White Duke, Ooh. Bowie's last persona, and the persona of the album. Thin White Duke is a nasty character, which is an interesting way to do an album and an interesting way for Bowie to live. I'm <laughs> We're all kind of glad he stopped doing that after that. Yeah, too thin, uh, too white, too much Duke. Too much Duke. Well, this whole the whole method acting for him was not was not good for not him. Not cool, man. It was not good. Um, what else am I gonna say? Oh, I got a confession. This was technically released as a single. Oh, Chaz. I know. Your it number one. Listen, listen, Jake. Listen, you jerk. It was technically released as a single. It's an obscure single in France only. Oh. And they cut it down to three minutes and 40 seconds long. <laughs> okay. So most of the song has not been released as a single. <laughs> here's, here's my real question, and I'm, I'm prepared. It starts, it starts five and a half minutes in, and it ends a minute early. <laughs> here's, here's my real question, and I'm prepared to get very angry about it. Uh, yeah. Did you treat this as a single when we did this episode way back when? Did you give it points? Do you remember? I don't remember. It was, I mean, this is like, that's our second episode, 1976, right? <laughs> it was, yeah, second, yeah, I think you're right. I don't remember. I might have. I mean, Bowie would have demolished Dylan in 1976 no matter what. I might have. Hey. I probably later on. Later on, I wouldn't have, though. Okay. All right, fine. More to, like, wider releases, like, US, if they were in U.S. and U.K., then, yeah, you're golden. If it's yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Else, if it's, like, Australia or something. But I might have. I, I, I can look it up, you know, after we're, we're done here. Well, I'm prepared to be uh, mad anyway. Okay, well, be mad. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> Boy, would have demolished Dylan next to Oh, it was a good year for Dylan, but I, I hear you. Yeah. 
Uh, the song being the live staple shows up on no less than five of his live albums. Wow. Which is a great song. You know, if you got like a giant rocker like that, it's a great song to have. Totes. So our great lyric on this, before I go check and see if I actually gave points to it, because I've got the document open here. The great lyric is, <laughs> it's not the side effects of the cocaine. I'm thinking that it must be love. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, Bowie, it is the side effects of the cocaine. <laughs> it's, Jake, it could be both, okay, man? <laughs> it could be both. Oh. You ever fall in love on cocaine? Uh-huh. Hey, okay. I gave it zero points. The Station to Station single in 1976, okay. I gave it zero points. Right. I probably mentioned, like, I very, I so many, my notes are so much more robust now than oh, I just yeah. <laughs> Like, Some might know, say like, too robust. A third of a page <laughs> nowadays. All of them are three pages long. <laughs> it's but gotten yeah, wildly out of control. I give zero points to that single. All right, which makes sense because it was butchered. It starts five and a half minutes into the song. Yeah, 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 yeah. And still ends a minute early. That's kind of a. <laughs> it's a tough edit. It's a real tough edit. <laughs> it's like you know your friend who thinks they're too cool. It's just really late for your party, and still, this is like oh. This isn't cool. And it leaves early because you know they, eh, whatever. Because whatever. they're because they're a sing because they're because they're a single that got edited for French radio. You know, a French that's single <laughs> of Bowie's longest song. It's relatable. Ever. It's relatable. We've all been there. There were so many greats. Almost all of the I think five of the six songs were released as a single at some point off of the album. Yeah, yeah. They, it went so station to station. Wow! Did we do it? Did we? we? Did. We did it. Wow. I, I'm proud of us. It is over an hour now, but, you know. Yeah, but not whatever. by much. <clears throat> no, by 42 okay, seconds. 42 seconds over an hour. And counting. Let's, uh, let's introduce next episode. We are yeah. rolling up. We're getting down to our last few episodes. The nitty gritty. So we got a very special episode. Next one is, in honor of, I don't know, whatever, the fact that we have very few years left. <laughs> We're hitting... We're doing like we, a long time ago. We did uh, their worst years. We did six episodes. We did uh, Bowie's last their worst year and Dylan's last year. Next year, next episode, we were doing Bowie's best year. Bowie's and best year, highest points year of them all. Wow. Or Bowie, I'm not going to say what year it is. Whoa. Pay attention, you'll figure it out if you listen to the episode. There's the only episode. a couple left. There's only three years left, so wow. I think we'll be able to figure it out. But that's okay. Okay. I'm pretty excited about it. I am not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take a nap during that, and just let you go. The following episode will be Dylan's best episode. That that I'm excited about. You know, good behavior next episode, Jake. Completely, (laughs) it's just ruining your your victory. I figure. I figure you're gonna try and do that anyway, so I might as well do whatever I want. Correct. That is correct. I will. You're just you're just hurt because Bowie was nothing in the year where Dylan was a monumental, world famous that rock is star. True. But Dylan was nothing in the year when Bowie was at his best. Well, but he was still Dylan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I mean. That's true. Bowie wasn't even well. I'll say that he wasn't even Bowie yet. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he never will be either. <laughs> Hey, everybody, this has been our probably shortest top ten episode. Oh, by far. It's because we had songs to talk about instead of albums. Or, 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 or yes. Albums. <laughs> Although we did, two, we, right, we did two episodes of covers, so those were all just songs. Never mind. Yeah, but those have, an added, those have an added layer of they story. Do. They do. 
But we will see you back here for Bowie's best year. Woo. I'm so excited about it. Jake's not. Nope. Who cares about Jake? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we'll see you next time. I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan, and don't like Bowie as much. I, I don't like Dylan. Bye. <laughs>